All right. It is Wednesday, April 29th. April is almost finished. I honestly can't believe it. Quarantine rolls on. A street washer rolls up behind me. Hopefully this isn't affecting what you're hearing here in our high-tech recording studio. But we appreciate you listening as per usual here in the Believe in Jayhawks basketball program. Yeah, April's almost finished. I can't believe it. I don't know where you're listening from, but hopefully you've had some April showers to bring some May flowers. And by May flowers, I mean hopefully it means that we can go outside of our home. I'm surviving. Hopefully you are doing well as well. I have a pimple on my nose. Other than that, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Jonas Nordman at JonasN310 on Instagram, the Believe in Jayhawks basketball program on the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? (laughs) Here's what I believe. I believe that this is an interactive program, but I'll get to that in just a second. Here is what is on the docket. We're going to talk a little bit about a message a fan sent me. Yes, thank you to all of you who interact with the program. We're going to talk about some Jayhawks in the news, if you will. A fun stat that I came upon online just yesterday. And then I'm going to do something that I'm calling some icon talk. Hmm. Stay tuned for that at the back end of the show. And if, if we do have time, because we've sort of been running right up against it, Every single episode, it's the off-season. We have no basketball. We have no sports, but we're still filling these episodes. We've got content. Yes, we do. We've got content. How about you? I I would like to actually now touch on the whole college basketball is dying. The high school player is going straight to the G League. I've got some thoughts. What are you going to do about it? All right, but regardless, I said this is an interactive program. I want your questions. I want your thoughts. I want your comments. I want your constructive criticism. I want you to be my co-host. So I got, I got a message from a fan out there. His name is Ben Fleur. Fleur? I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Ben. Uh, F-L-U-R-E-R. Fleur. So he, he messaged in on the gram, JonasN310. Uh, you can find me there. My picture is me with my beautiful golden Labrador. I've been told that the picture is not great. It shows off my big nose without the pimple. But I like it. So he said, hey, Jonas, long time, first time. Well, we've only been going since February, so thank you. Uh, what about Greg Marshall with about 20 Gs? Greg Marshall as an option for HCBS's replacement. And by HCBS, he means head coach Bill Self. This is going back to uh, last week's episode where I did a bit of a retrospective on Bill Self as head coach of your Kansas Jayhawks. And I sort of finished off the whole episode by saying, so if not Bill Self, who would you prefer? I do believe Ben here is being a bit facetious, especially with his use of the G's, since Greg Marshall does have two G's, G-R-E-G-G Marshall. So I promptly responded to that with a middle finger and then an emoji of glasses. That's how I like to interact with my fans. A little fun, a little punch and tickle. Because, of course, Greg Marshall thinks he's stylish living in Wichita with his designer glasses. I said, but we'll talk about it on air. Thanks for tuning in. And then he said, what about Shaka Smart? (laughs) Again, a bit facetiously. And then Ben had a really good point, and he followed it up with this. 
Chris Beard would be atop my real list, though, to which I 100% agree. Now, here's the thing with Chris Beard, and he doesn't really have name brand value quite yet, although he did make a national championship game. That is your head coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I think he carries a lot of the same on-court traits that make Bill Self a perfect fit for Kansas. Defense first, which is the best way to always be competitive and win in college basketball, but does allow a little bit of offensive versatility, lets his guys play. Structured, good recruiter, really good recruiter. I mean, he's getting top talent to go to Lubbock, Texas. One of the worst locations, probably, in Division I basketball. Now, he did get Jared Culver, who was a, a native of Lubbock, so not as, tough, not as difficult. But he got Jemias Ramsey this past year, and he's got another top recruiting class coming in for the upcoming season. Texas Tech has turned into a perennial top program. I mean, they're not national champion contenders on a year-in, year-out basis. They were sort of struggling to make the tournament this year. Or they are going to make it, but they were going to be like a 8-9-10 seed. But this is Texas Tech. But here's the problem with uh, Chris Beard. You always have to wonder right about in-conference maneuvering. How would that look from going from Texas Tech to Kansas, the bullies of the Big 12? He may not want to do badly by his previous employers. And then the rumor is always that he is waiting for or that he would be the perfect fit for the Texas job. Speaking of Shaka Smart, again, that brings up the old in-conference maneuvering, and that would be in-state maneuvering. Just taking the highway over from Lubbock to Austin. I don't really know where Lubbock is in the state of Texas. I don't know what direction you have to go. I think it's in West Texas, right? But Shaka's not going anywhere quite yet. In fact, he just signed a really good recruit, Greg Brown. And try as he might, Shaka Smart, he can't get himself fired from Texas. He's either got some compromising photos or he keeps winning enough. Texas doesn't care about basketball. He's probably got a great buyout that they don't want to spend. But I did respond to Ben. And again, please do write in with your questions, your thoughts on the topic. But I said, yeah, Chris Beard would be my number one as well. If Bill Self left, it would have to be Chris Beard. Now, what Ben responded leads us right into our very next topic. You listen to the Believe in Jayhawks basketball program, Believe Podcast Network. If you want to advertise, do it. I'll, I'll shill for anything. I don't care what your product is. <laughs> but Ben responded with this, and this was last Friday. He said, Danny Manning and Joe Dooley came to mind, but that might be more emotional. Good point. Both of them, former assistant coaches, Danny Manning, was with Kansas for nine years before moving on to be the head coach at Tulsa, did a pretty good job there, then went to Wake Forest. We'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> Joe Dooley took over for Andy Enfield when Enfield went to USC and left behind his Dunk City legacy, and Dooley did a pretty good job there as well. But in terms of the face of Kansas basketball, Danny Manning would make sense, but his head coaching career has kind of taken a a fork in the road if you will and, and Joe Dooley just is the face of basketball or the face of Kansas and this is going to sound really shallow of me 
But again, as the face of Kansas basketball, that is also what sort of worries me about Chris Beard. Again, being shallow here. You can read that as you want. But, but Joe Dooley quite yet, or doesn't quite yet have the cachet to take over the head seat of the Jayhawks. So this was my exact response to Ben. And this leads us directly into our next topic of the day here on Believe in Jayhawks basketball. And this was last Friday. If Danny had more success at Wake, he'd be a slam dunk. That's a basketball term used perfectly. (laughs) But he's probably going to get fired there eventually. Oh, what do you know? He got fired the very next day by by Wake Forest. (laughs) No rumors, nothing. That was just us spit firing, talking ball. But yeah, one day we're saying, you know, he's probably going to get fired by Wake Forest. We're in the middle of the coronavirus, though. What, no one can really do anything right now. It was literally the very next day. It was this Saturday, this past Saturday. I'm talking to you on Wednesday, the 29th. Danny Manning got canned at Wake Forest. So that leads us to say, what's next for Danny Manning? And why am I bringing up Danny Manning? For those of you who don't know, this may not be the program for you, but he is, of course, Jayhawk legend. Danny and the Miracles led Kansas, essentially put the whole program on his back in 1988 and led a lower-seeded team to the NCAA championship, drafted number one overall by the Clippers, was in the NBA for a good amount of time, never really became a superstar but made good money, had a career, had some injury issues. What more could you want from an NBA career? Came back to KU. Started off sort of as a fringe assistant. Took over as a full-time assistant coach when Tim Jankovic left in 07. Spent nine years as a coach at Kansas, developing big men. Did a great job with guys like the Morris Twins, Cole Aldrich, Thomas Robinson, you know, Darnell Jackson, Sasha Khan, Darrell Arthur, the whole, all of those guys. And then he went to Tulsa, and then he went to Wake Forest. So reportedly... This is where it gets interesting for Danny Manning. He's got all the options in the world. Could he come back to KU? We're going to get back. We're going to get to that in just a second. Could he go to the NBA and do something? He's got the connections. Could he just sit back and do whatever he wants? Probably. He reportedly, and Wake Forest is a private institution, so they don't have to disclose anything that they spend out there in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He reportedly got a $15 million buyout just to not coach for the Demon Deacons anymore. So six seasons in Winston-Salem, Danny Manning had just one winning season overall and made it to the NCAA tournament just once in 2017, where he actually lost. I don't even count this as making the tournament. No, he lost in the first four game in Dayton, 2K State. Oops, that's embarrassing. And in that season, his one winning season, they went 19 and 14 and had a 500 record, 9 and 9 in ACC play. The rest of the time in ACC play, 5 and 13, 2 and 16, 9 and 9, 4 and 14, 4 and 14, 6 and 14 this past year. But he did beat Duke this past season. <laughs> so, how about that? So yeah, Danny Manning got $15 million to no longer be the head coach at Wake Forest. Not bad, Danny. Way to go. 
it is weird timing for Wake Forest to fire him in the midst of the pandemic. Like it's it's going to be kind of tough to hold the coaching search while you can't leave your house and you can't really get face to face with guys. There's not really much movement. The recruiting cycle is finished. Companies and athletic departments are hemorrhaging money, but they paid him $15 million. Now, could he come back to Kansas? That would be amazing. Like, if they could somehow shoehorn a position for Danny Manning. And I bring that up because think of the situation that the Kansas basketball roster is in. We've been going over it player by player pretty recently. Took last week off to talk about Bill Self. Uh, Going to take this week off as well because I have some other topics I want to get to. Plus, let's be honest, I'm trying to extend the offseason as best as possible. Offseason programming. But I'm thinking of one player in specific, in David McCormack, where if Danny Mann could come in, get his hands on that lump of clay that is uh, David McCormack's post-player career and mold it into something spectacular, that takes this upcoming Kansas team from what should be a pretty good team to, again, a potential one seed. Overall number one, presumptive favorite. So yeah, that would be awesome. The problem is they'd have no spots on the on the coaching staff at the moment, and none of these guys seem like they're going anywhere. Curtis Townsend, Bill Self's number two, his right-hand man all this time. He's been there essentially the whole time. Likely the first to go. We'll get to that in a second. Jarrett Howard, recruiting extraordinaire, played for Bill Self at Illinois. Players love him, sort of that younger connection between coaching staff and player. It seems like great energy, good coach, nothing but success since he's come on. And, and of course, Norm Roberts, former head coach of St. John's, brings a lot of credibility, steady, another solid coach on Bill Self's staff. you got uh, Fred Quartelbaum, operations guy, but another coach. Perry Ellis is on the staff. Uh, you, you get the idea. So they would need to shoehorn a, a new position for Danny Manning. It's actually really weird. The sign that you're going crazy during quarantine and all you're thinking about really is th- these programs and Jayhawk basketball. No joke. <laughs> what was it, Saturday night, Sunday? In the midst of my sleep, I, for whatever reason, I had a dream. And in the midst of that dream, it was... Kansas basketball and their process of them creating or or putting Danny Manning in as a graduate assistant on the staff with the team. Yeah, I was dreaming. I literally was dreaming about Kansas basketball here in April after we didn't even get conference tournaments in the NCAA tournament. And the absurdity, of course, is that a guy who just spent eight years, the past eight years being a head coach at Tulsa and Wake Forest, He's not going to be a graduate assistant. He didn't just graduate. He would be the oldest and most accomplished graduate assistant to ever grace the bench of a basketball team. So I mentioned Curtis Townsend. Why would he be the most likely to go? He's sort of all over the place on the Adidas and NCAA violations. He's on the recordings. He's got the text messages. Kind of an interesting character. Remember, he gave those tickets to uh, the adult film star a couple of years ago. Ran into her on the plane. 
She said she was a huge Kansas basketball fan. Old Curtis said, I got you. I don't believe he knew of her profession at the time, but look up the story. I think to him, he just ran into a, a fan, a nice lady, if you will. But hey, she got in. She enjoyed the game. And Curtis Townsend made national, made national news. So that could be the position. You just slide Norm Roberts up to the, the, the number two position. Danny Manning could take over there. But I don't see that happening you know, this offseason. I think most likely Danny Manning takes this year off, floats around, meets with his mentors, maybe spends some time in the NBA. No, maybe starts planting seeds there. Because I could see that as an assistant coach, right? He does have NBA experience, so it's not the most far-fetched idea. He did have that success at Tulsa, and Wake Forest is a tough job. So good luck to Danny Manning, although he is now $15 million, reportedly $15 million richer, you know, for going 78 and 111 at Wake Forest. All right, moving on. Real quickly, I want to bring up this fun stat that I read. Uh, Credit to Joe Lenardi of ESPN. You may know him as the bracketologist. Why are we talking bracketology? Why are we talking about potential seeds for the 2021 NCAA tournament? Or not really. But it, it gives you an idea of sort of where teams are standing. So at the moment, and I, I'm also bringing this up because we've a couple times now done the way too early. Where are teams standing? What are the rankings heading into 2020-2021 season? So the top four seeds as it stands are Gonzaga, Villanova, Virginia, Baylor. Not really a surprise. We've gone over this a couple times. We know that these are the teams likely to be really good. Maybe Virginia is a bit of a shock to people, but that's their projection. And in modern 2020 basketball, these are teams that really don't make you bat an eye, right? Gonzaga, perennial power, West Coast power, best team west of the Mississippi. Villanova, two national titles in the last, what, four or five years? Jay Wright has a beautiful culture. It is now a powerhouse. They're producing NBA talent. Not really a surprise, right? Virginia, still technically the reigning national champions. No one has dethroned them. We didn't play a tournament. So Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, Hunter, Diakite, that's still your reigning national champions over Texas Tech. Not really a surprise. They've been ACC powers for the better part of five to seven years, going back to like Joe Harris and Baylor. We like to have a good laugh at Baylor's expense in Big 12 territory. But they were going to be a number one seed this past year. They won 23 straight games. They probably will have four of five starters coming back, depending what happens with Jared Butler and Macy Oteague. And yeah, they're going to be really good next year. So not really, like, it doesn't make you bat an eye when you hear Gonzaga, Villanova, Virginia, Baylor. Like, this isn't, who's a random team out there? Like, Clemson basketball. I know when I say Clemson, we think football, and that's a powerhouse, but basketball-wise, they don't really do anything, right? But if I said Clemson basketball was going to be number one next year, you'd be like, really? All right. Duquesne? The Dukes? No way. 
But those four, yeah, we get it. But as Joe Lunardi says, it's actually the absence of certain names from the top line. Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, whoop, Michigan State, and North Carolina that makes these top four quote-unquote seeds historic. It has been 30 years since all five of these elite programs have been outside the top four at the start of any season, as determined by the Associated Press preseason poll. Not since 1990-91 have we been without at least one of these schools as a preseason number one seed. So in the top four. I thought that was remarkable. I thought it says a lot about Michigan State, right? That's, that's how we think of them as a perennial power. They make a ton of Final Fours, but do keep in mind, they've only won one, <laughs> they've only won, I should say, a single national championship since 2000. But then again, so is Kansas. Always number one seed, always in contention for the Big Ten. Makes sense. When I think Blue Bloods, like Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, immediately there, Duke has the more recent success with Coach K at the helm but you can't really deny them. They have the five national titles under Coach K. And then I always feel like UCLA and Indiana should be there. But UCLA has their one run under John Wooden and then a single national title in 1995. And Indiana was sort of last relevant in, what, 2002 when they made the national title game and lost to Juan Dixon in Maryland. They had a solid team with Eric Gordon, a few years after that, like in 05 or so, I think. And then when they had one of the Zeller brothers, right, as when we thought Indiana was back, but that's it. Like other, other than the Bobby Knight era, Indiana's really not there. So it is Michigan State. The closest team projected at the moment would be Duke, who's looking like the preseason number six team. And who knows what's going to happen between now and, you know, November the way players are decommitting and going to the G League, someone from one of those four teams I mentioned could leave. I, I don't know. I, I just thought that was remarkable. And, and credit to Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State, North Carolina, as much as I don't want to give credit to Duke and Kentucky and North Carolina. Measures of consistency, right? All five of these programs. So keep an eye on that as the preseason rankings start to roll out officially for next year. Okay, that was fun. I've got a bit of a... All right, so the next topic here, you're going to have to bear with me. You're listening to the Believe in Jayhawks basketball program, and I wanted to talk about the Kansas quote-unquote icon. Now, what does that mean? So the big news right now is nothing, right? We're all sick. We need to stay at home. But sports-wise, it's The Last Dance. It's the Bulls documentary. It's Michael Jordan. And I just thought, and I wanted to do a series, and I wanted to do a topic here. Because when you think Michael Jordan, you think North Carolina basketball as well, right? When you think North Carolina basketball, it is forever intertwined with Michael Jordan. They wear the Jordan brand logo on their uniforms. When they do these recruit photos and they get them in the facility and they're wearing the uniform, North Carolina, UNC, what they do, they stand them right in front of a wall of like the Jordan brand 
series of shoes. It's really cool. I probably would commit on the spot as well. <laughs> so I thought, what player, like who in Kansas basketball, and I'm right off the bat, let me just say, I'm not comparing anybody to Michael Jordan. His cultural, his basketball, his everything impact is unmatched. You know, maybe LeBron. But I thought, who is a player that Kansas could eventually, if they went to that shoe company's outfit, Adidas, if they went to Nike, if they went to Under Armour, might they end up with that player's logo on their jersey? Who has had a cultural impact that when you associate that player, when you think of Kansas, you think, oh, that's also where this guy went who really affected the game. It's a bit of a far-fetched idea, I know. But it is the offseason in the age of coronavirus. And I just think it's so awesome that North Carolina can claim Michael Jordan as an alumni, right? So here we go. And send me your ideas and the reasons. I have a, a little bit of a list of the guys who could have, who should be, and my wild card. So I start with the obvious slash old school legends. Right off the bat, and this is probably the guy that is everyone's first thought and is probably the quote-unquote icon most associated with Kansas at the moment, it's Wilt Chamberlain. I'd say he's the closest current that KU basketball that the Jayhawks have to Michael Jordan. The problem is he's more of a mythical figure at this point, no longer with us. The 100-point game will forever stand in basketball lore. The picture of him holding the, the, the sign that says just 100 on it, is amazing, but we have no video of that, right? These days, whenever we talk about Wilt as the best player ever, it's like, yeah, but who was he playing against? It's like Bill Russell and nobody else. Or maybe that's just me. He was a dominant force, but his numbers are almost comical, and people don't seem to take them seriously. But when you say Wilt, when you say the Big Dipper, when you see Chamberlain in the rafters at Allen Fieldhouse, it does make you go and say, well... That is pretty cool that he played here. So at the moment, he is the closest. Danny Manning, the star of today's episode, is perhaps, the, you know, you could say the best player to ever play at Kansas in terms of legacy, leading the team to the championship. He was drafted number one, but the NBA career obviously just has not panned out or did not pan out, and he's not thought of that, thought of in that vein. Too nice of a guy also. It's way too nice. Perhaps the one that could have been on this path was Paul Pierce. He had his run in the late 2000s. I believe we called them the aughts. Won the NBA title in 2008. Really was at the height of his powers. I think he won finals MVP there in 2008. His run through the early 10s as well when the Celtics lost to the Lakers in seven games in the 2011? No, 2010. It was the 2010 NBA Finals. A couple more good runs when they ran into LeBron's Miami Heatles before going to Brooklyn and the Washington Wizards and finishing as a Clipper. Paul Pierce had a bit of a cultural impact. He's also a Celtics legend, which really helps out. You know, 1A, 1B with the Lakers as the preeminent franchises in the, in the NBA. But his post-career has sort of taken a weird turn, and he no longer can qualify for this. He's now a talking head for ESPN. 
he's almost a caricature of like an NBA legend. He's just a hot take machine. His legendary moment of being carried off in those NBA finals in 2008, the wheelchair moment, he let it slip that he just pooped his pants. And that was his big issue. I think we all knew that he was playing it up a bit. But once you say that you pooped your pants and that's why you had to be carried off the court and you were in a wheelchair, yeah, you're no longer an icon. And these days, there's more videos of Paul Pierce getting crossed up by like Joe Johnson and him just chasing the ball. It's, uh, Joe Johnson's passed him. I saw another one last night. Paul Pierce getting crossed. Like there's more videos. There seems more hate on Paul Pierce these days than there, than there is reverence. So can't count them. Then there's the guys of what could have been. The guy who probably should have been and was expected to be the Kansas, the Jayhawk, quote-unquote, icon was Andrew Wiggins. You want cultural impact? This was the most hyped high school prospect I had probably ever seen since LeBron. His mixtapes, his dunk contests, his his in-game dunks were unbelievable. This was the YouTube star. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated before he played a game at Kansas. In fact, he was on that cover, or he had a picture with Wilt Chamberlain, perhaps giving more credence to Wilt as the winner of this contest. He signed immediately with Adidas after leaving Kansas. He had the logo. It's a cool little AW mixed in together. It's pretty slick. Would have looked good on a jersey. Just hasn't worked out. Clashed with Carl Anthony Towns, or who knows? Maybe he's too passive. Took bad shots. He's already been traded. He got traded to the Golden State Warriors this past year. I guess they're still in the middle of that same season. Uh, This is not a guy who will be an icon. May never even be an all-star. You know, his career is still technically young, but he is not going to be a Jayhawk, quote-unquote, icon. Probably not going to even have his number retired at Allen Fieldhouse. Although, stay tuned. I've got two wild cards, the one that I feel strongly about and the one that people may not think about. I think Kelly Oubre could have been something like that. I've got a really fun comparison here. Kelly Oubre is sort of the Cam Newton of the NBA, but without the on-court or on-field success. He's got a wacky hairstyle. This was a guy in school who said his hair was his brand. Clearly focused on that. Handsome dude. Really fashion forward. Says some wacky things online. Not like inflammatory. But like this guy's a deep thinker kind of stuff on on Instagram. Like I said, fashion icon. Does like internships for fashion companies. Had a... He was the first player to have a, a a shoe deal with Converse ever since Converse has brought its NBA line back. But he doesn't have the on-court success. He's a good player. He's a really good player. But he's just a heavily tattooed, athletic freak who plays pretty good defense here and there. Not a solid superstar contributor. He's on the Suns. Devin Booker is the superstar on that team. They got DeAndre Ayton with the first pick in the draft. Those are their cornerstones, Booker and Aiton. Ubre, though, 
really good complimentary piece. So here is my submission for the guy who could be the Kansas icon, and we are up against it, so I'll try to keep this quick. It's the guy who was drafted alongside Andrew Wiggins, Joel Embiid. You want to talk cultural impact? The guy starts right off with great nicknames. He has embodied, literally. This is the guy who took up the Philadelphia Trust the Process moniker, and he is now known as Joel the Process Embiid. He had a question about him and that nickname on Jeopardy. And so now if you look at Joel Embiid on Twitter, he calls himself Joel Do a 180 Embiid because someone on, on Jeopardy, because they don't know sports whenever they go on that show, they said, what is Joel Embiid's nickname? You know, I'm paraphrasing, of course, and they said, is it Joel Do a 180? So he took that and he ran with it. Cultural impact. I believe Embiid is at the forefront and he is truly the, the most social media savvy. He's at the forefront of the social media NBA stardom. 1.7 Twitter followers, not a ton. I, well, you know, for a superstar, <laughs> I would take that. Don't get me wrong. 4.2 million Instagram followers. He has had his online feuds. You know, the drama partly is what makes a guy big in the NBA. The pettiness of the NBA is what we love about him. He's had his feuds with Carl Anthony Towns. He'll like post a picture of him dunking on these guys, as well as Hassan Whiteside. He's got his in-team fighting, right? That's what we're loving about this Bulls documentary. Apparently, Embiid and Ben Simmons don't really get along. Or maybe they do. They play it up for the, for the media. They don't necessarily fit well together. It makes for good drama, especially in a market like Philadelphia. So that's the cultural impact. The problem, he is an Under Armour guy, by the way, so that's another issue for KU, who are, of course, in bed with Adidas in a lot of different ways. Now, on-court, and of course, the part of what we loved about Jordan was his on-court impact. This is the guy in an Embiid who is the perfect modern big man, I believe. 32% from three-point land career. For a seven-footer, who would have thought that even, what, 10 years ago? Five to 10 years ago? Averages 24 points and 11.5 rebounds per game for his career. And he's already a three-time All-Star. Now his issues, his age, he's already 26. We know about his injuries. So, food for thought. Appreciate everyone listening. This has been our episode Write into me at JonasN310. I know no one will ever match the cultural and on-court production and impact that Michael Jordan ever had. But I just wanted to think about who, as a Jayhawk, is leaving some sort of footprint on the basketball world, right? This is one of the preeminent programs in college basketball. But I feel like in terms of cultural relevance, the most we've had is the fact that Ben Affleck in that new movie that he had come out earlier in the year was going to go to Kansas. <laughs> so write in, let me know. Jonas N310, this has been Believe in Jayhawks. Again, I hope everyone's staying safe. I know a couple states out there are starting their soft relaunches. You know, just keep washing your hands. Keep wearing those masks. Don't be duped. Don't be an idiot. You know, tip well when you do delivery and takeout. Thank your nurses. Thank you, nurses and doctors. 
Get your walks in. Don't get pudgy during these times. We're all doing our part. And other than that, I say thank you as always. I'll talk with you next week. It'll be May. I can't believe it. Will it be May 4th quite yet? May the 4th be with you? <laughs> we'll cover that if that is indeed the time. Um, but as always, thanks as, thanks again. And rock chop. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up.